0: Castian's mission to gain greater insight into the Force is waylaid by an unwelcome life-day surprise. Tis the season for reconnecting with friends and family, after all. After leaving Nera Sawbright's office, Castian, you're back on the Howling Gundark.
1: Castian heads towards the cockpit and throws his coat on top of his chair, Lando Suckett, and looks towards Laris. All right, I think we might have something. Uh, Nero Albright suggested that we check out Lotho. I, know I, be-
0: I also have something for you, sir.
1: More important than our next destination? Oh, did you find a job here?
0: No, I have not. While you were communing with your contact on the planet, we received a piece of mail. Or should I say you received a piece of mail... Addressed in care of this ship, of course, because that is standard protocol when one is merely a passenger upon a commerce ship.
1: Laris, yes, I get it. You own the ship. Who sent me mail? Who was it? Family. Family?
0: I thought you would be more excited.
1: I have no family. Closest thing I have the family is Bone over there. And yourself, of course, though I view you more as a eccentric aunt, but...
0: Interesting. The card is from your crazy, cranky uncle.
1: Castian pauses as soon as she says those words. And give me a second, I need to look this up. I wrote down a bunch of th- phrases to Angela before season three. Crazy cranky uncle. That's it? Yes. Castian pauses as soon as she says those words and he says, Kita. Kita Niana. That's the phrase I told them to use whenever they needed to contact me.
0: And you did not share this information with me, sir? It
1: was embarrassing. It was agreed upon that I wouldn't have a way to contact them because they are afraid that I could always turn to the dark side and try to get back into the Imperials' good graces by setting a trap for them. So I I didn't think it was important. I have a couple of contacts that occasionally will reach out to me using these code words. What kind of card is it?
0: It is a Life Day card.
1: Look inside the image uh, and try to uh, run an algorithm using the following formula. And he quickly scribbles something down on a piece of flimsy and hands it to her. That should have the true message inside it.
0: In order to analyze the card, Laris has to bring it up on the projector. So it is a 3D projection of a pop-up card. And the card pops up. Has little animated snowflakes coming down, but it's it's like a looping GIF. It's not a super high quality hollow image.
1: It's jib jab of the future.
0: And there is a little gingerbread family that's dancing along to a old life day carol.
1: Castian just shakes his head and says, "Anytime now, please."
0: One moment, sir. This is a difficult algorithm that you have given me.
1: What can I say? I am nothing if not complicated. I've solved it. Okay, yes, yes, um, are you sure? Because the the, the root is actually a very clever- It's a
0: simple logarithmic scale.
1: Show the message, Laris.
0: The Life Day card Carol abruptly cuts off as it is replaced with a projection of a series of numbers. Laris looks at the numbers for a moment before tapping a few characters on the computer pad. Punctuation fills in to the series of numbers, revealing them to be coordinates.
1: They want me to meet them somewhere. Do you know where it's at?
0: The Rishi system. I believe the third planet. It is a smuggler's planet. Tropical.
1: Oh, I could use a little bit of tropical vacation. Very well, let's, uh... He pauses as he realizes he's about to just give her an order and then looks towards her. How would you like to take a life day vacation, Laris? You've been working rather hard.
0: No, I haven't. If I had been working hard, my coffers would be much more full.
1: How about this? I am sure that they, whatever they're contacting us for, is it's a job, and we could charge them, and they'd be desperate. I mean, they're on the run for fugitives. They have very little options.
0: That is an interesting point that you make. However, I do feel that price gouging is unethical.
1: It's, it's Kita. I mean, here's a lot of karma to make up for. It's fine. Listen, bill me for the fuel that we use. We'll put it to my debt, and I'll work it off.
0: As you have been working off your debt so far.
1: Technically, I did pay that only to regain the debt. But you know now it's possible for me to actually pay my debts. So this, please, this would be considered a, a favor that I will pay back. I will find a way to pay you back for the fuel. If they don't. I will give you your life day gift early.
0: You have no credits with which to purchase a life day gift.
1: I actually fixed something up for you.
0: Laris just stares at you dispassionately.
1: It's very cute. And he just keeps on giving her a grin, just hoping the Castian Smolder will work on her, just like Landis did.
0: I'll allow charm. One red, one purple.
1: Well, good luck, Angela. I got an advantage, a failure, and a triumph. Starting off early in this game.
0: I would like to see this life day present.
1: Now, of course, Castian kind of pauses as he didn't expect her to actually want to see it right now. And he's like, okay, but it's... It, it still has a quirk to it, okay? It, it's, it, but it's very cute, I swear. And he's moving off, and he is going back to his life day gift that he's been working on for her.
0: And what is it?
1: I'm going to roll mechanics to see if it's actually working, because it's not completely done. So he's quickly, you know, fitting in the screw here, tinkering with the power level there, just to see if it works. I'll give you this. It's a toy.
0: We'll make this average, but take two setback die, because you are rushed.
1: I got one threat and four successes.
0: Very nice. As you are doing the final solders on some of the filaments, your spanner sparks and singes your hands. Tank a point of strain.
1: So Laris hears me in the back room as they're saying, oh, it's completely done. I'll, just, I'll be right back. And then she just hears the starting of a soldering gun, some you know other tools being banged together, and then a spark and then a curse like, "Ah, oh, you stupid contraption. Mm. And then... The door opens and he's holding a little Life Day box, uh, which is just – it's a wooden box and he walks towards her and hands it to her. And it's much like a wooden trunk that you would find, a little small wooden container that you would open up and inside would be a Life Day gift. Happy Life Day!
0: Without saying anything, Laris opens it.
1: And as soon as she opens, it's a little skitter. (laughs) Oh, no. That just kind of raises its hands as soon as she opens the box. And it begins playing a, a little tune that he caught her listening to more than just once.
0: And before you can say anything else, you hear Skitter coming up from behind you. Ah, oh, my favorite song.
1: No, this is not about you. He looks towards Laris and said, I, I built it out of the scrap pots that we had. And it, it, it doesn't actually follow commands, but when you lift it and there's sunlight in the area, it will do a little dance. I don't know that you have much sentimental value in things, but I do know that you are sentimental to it. I say as I cast a glance towards Skitter, so I I built you something to always remember him by, especially if he gets lost in space at some point or welded to the ground or used for scraps.
0: Thank you, sir. You're welcome, Laris. She goes back to the bridge. So is my life day gift a trip to Rishi?
1: No. Oh, come on, Castian says as he follows her into the cockpit and sits down. What do I need to do to get me there?
0: You need to pay.
1: I will find payment there. You can put it to my debt. I will I will get you the payment for the fuel.
0: Castian, I say this with all due respect, as you are a trusted friend and usually a reliable passenger. However, it has been several weeks since I have had legitimate paying business. I can no longer go gallivanting across the galaxy... Merely because you ask nicely.
1: Agreed. Okay. Fair enough.
0: I have options here in the Naboo system. I must take them. If you need to make alternate arrangements, I would, of course, understand.
1: I don't really have the money to make alternate arrangements, Laris. How about this? How, How about this? How about this? Perhaps you could put a feeler out there to see if there's anybody in need of a transport or any supplies to be delivered near... Rishi, a system away, a couple systems away. And if that's the case, you drop me off and I can find some other way to Rishi. Or if it's close, you can just drop me off and continue on your merry.
0: It will take some time.
1: That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I've got plenty of things I can do here. Castian looks around, realizing he has nothing to do there, but he's not going to push it.
0: And Lara sits down at her console and begins looking Over the intergalactic job listings, essentially.
1: And Castian is kind of peeking over her shoulders. Like, oh, that's a good one. Look over that one. It's, uh, you know, and he kind of catches her staring at him. He's like, right. He goes back to, I guess, his room or I guess Laris's room since he no longer owns his room. And he sits down on Laris's bunk since it's technically not his bunk anymore. And then he lays down hoping that he still is allowed to at least call his pillow his pillow.
0: Let's see just how good of a job Laris ends up with. So two successes and one advantage means that Laris does find work that is suitable for her purposes and for yours. In fact, it is noble work delivering medicine for Doctors Without Sectors.
1: To Rishi or to somewhere near Rishi?
0: Near Rishi.
1: But it's on the way or she can drop me off. Yes. So as soon as she calls me up, Castine immediately is like, I'll meet you on the bridge. And he's running there and kind of peeks in. So, hey, what's up? Anything new?
0: I have found a job that will take me near Rishi. Uh,
1: Yes, yes, and it's a legitimate job, I'm sure, right? Of course it is. There you go. Look at us. I'm I'm, I'm bringing you work. I heard it when I said it. Uh, Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And happy life day, Laris. Happy life day. How long will it be until we get there? Two weeks. Two weeks? Of course. Thank you. Yes, two weeks is perfectly fine. He's biting back his tongue, but nodding his head.
0: The Howling Gundark lifts off from Rory spaceport, leaves the Naboo system, and Laris makes the announcement for all passengers to prepare for the jump to hyperspace.
1: And Castan just buckles in, and I guess it's just two weeks of occasionally dropping out of hyperspace to recalculate and jumping back in.
0: The first time you drop out of hyperspace, it's so Laris can load up on supplies from Doctors Without Sectors.
1: Castian stays out of their way because uh, I'm guessing Doctors Without Sectors, they still are kind of with the Empire, not like an imperial branch, but they work within the system. And so he's just worried that someone might recognize Mm -hmm. him. He doesn't know. So he's staying under the floorboards with Skitter.
0: Skitter is very offended because he's basically established himself as the human... Of the Howling Gundark, which means he should be the one who is directing these people, showing them the proper place to store things, making sure things are being stored properly and oh my up God. to code.
1: I just realized something. Castian reaches over and turns him off. <laughs> just being this close of quarters, he just spots right behind the head the this off switch and he just reaches over, hopeful, and flicks it. For all we know, they are going to
0: scratch up
1: the floors. And then Castian takes a nap.
0: (laughs) It only takes about an hour to load up the equipment. When Laris gives the all clear, you come up out of the smuggling compartment to see that half of the cargo space is taken up with containers that are labeled, obviously, for medical use.
1: Castian hesitates for a second, but sighs, reaches down and turns on Skitter. And And if if the the floors are scratched, oh, Oh, sir they left come on and Castian pulls himself up and he's just walking towards the cockpit is that everything he's asking Laris if that's where she's at
0: yes it is and she replies yes the cargo has been onboarded correctly
1: he's checking out some of the cargo and lets out a whistle medical supplies this is uh, this is worth a shiny credit if i know anything ooh this is this stuff right here real spice <laughs> that Oh, during my days when I was an addict, that hits the spot right there.
0: Please step away from the cargo.
1: I'm not, I was just trying to be friendly, not too friend. I'm stepping away from the cargo and he's going to his seat and taking his seat.
0: Skitter actually, as soon as Lara said, step away from the cargo, he squeezes in between you and the nearest cargo box and begins a patrol back and forth.
1: I'm not going to steal any medical supplies. What kind of monster do you think I am? I have read the files. I know exactly what kind of monster you have been. Wow, you're not very happy that I turned you off. Is that what happened?
0: Did you turn off Skitter, sir? Hmm? Did you turn off Skitter?
1: I I might have turned him off. He was going to give our position away.
0: How would you feel if I disconnected Bone's power supply?
1: That's different. Bone is a welcoming presence. He glides into a situation, doesn't Skitter.
0: May I remind you, sir... You are the one that gave Skitter his chassis.
1: I No, 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 no. I told you to find a chassis, and that was the only one that we had. And I suggested that we get rid of it the moment we could, but we've never been able to afford anything more expensive. Don't put this on me. The spider body was your idea.
0: Jumping to hyperspace.
1: <laughs> and that's a cold, icy life day for everyone. And Castian just kind of. Looks back towards the patrolling droid as we go into hyperspace and rolls his eyes.
0: After a few more days, Laris drops out of hyperspace again. As you noted, sometimes course corrections need to be made, especially when one is traveling almost halfway across the galaxy, as you and Laris are. Sir, please report to the cockpit.
1: Cassian rolls his eyes and tosses his book to the side, and he's just kind of lazily walking towards her. Immediately. Immediately. Squints and then quickens his pace and then he kind of slides across into the bridge because he's not wearing shoes. He's wearing socks, wooly socks, Bantha-furred socks.
0: I believe we have jumped out of hyperspace into a trap.
1: A-, a trap, he says, as he's kind of walking towards her wherever she has the nav computer.
0: Sublight engines are approaching.
1: Um, no, it's a- is it an imperial trap?
0: Unconfirmed, but unlikely.
1: Uh, can you get us out of here?
0: I'm attempting to do the calculations. However, as a backup, would you please man the weapon stations?
1: Absolutely. Hopefully our luck holds out and it's just, I don't know, pirates. Wouldn't that be nice? And he's just running quickly towards the turret. I think we only have one turret. So Castian sliding into place.
0: Laris pops up over the cons. <coughs> Sir, I do have good news.
1: Uh, what's the good news?
0: It is not an Imperial ship.
1: Oh, goodness. Yes. Well, who is it?
0: Unconfirmed. They are not broadcasting their affiliation.
1: And what kind of ship is it?
0: It is a fire spray.
1: Castian wrinkles his nose and says, oh, that could be anybody, pirates, bounty hunters. All right, I guess invasive maneuvers, you're the tactician here.
0: Engaging. The ship banks hard to the left, engaging the emergency maneuvers that Laris had programmed in. You are able to hear the reverberation through the hull as a couple of blaster bolts zing past you, coming a little too close for comfort and the ship's lights Flicker for just a second before remaining on strong. The Howling Gundark takes three strain.
1: Castine's doing his best to aim the turrets at whatever the hell's firing at him. If he can get a visual, that'd be great.
0: You swing around in the turret, aiming for where those blaster bolts came from, and you are able to get the fire spray in your sights. As you mentioned, the fire spray is a patrol craft that could belong to anybody. It could be pirates, it could be bounty hunters. You're not able to glean any information about affiliation from what you're able to see other than whoever it is. Doesn't put any of their extra credits into maintenance for the ship. It is pockmarked and battle scarred patched with the hulls from half a dozen different classes of ship. The paint job doesn't match up anywhere across the board. It is not a well cared for ship. The Howling Gundark isn't much to look at, but at least you and now Captain Laris take pride in it and try to keep it looking as nice as you can on a very limited budget.
1: Castian's going to try to get the fire spray in his sight and fire, trying to just Honestly, delay it enough for us to get out of here. I don't think we can probably take it on, but I'll try.
0: Okay. The difficulty is hard.
1: And to avoid a disaster, I'm going to spend one of my destiny points to make one of my greens into a yellow. One success and two threats.
0: Okay. Okay. So, as you swing around and your computer systems tell you that you have the fire spray directly in your sights, and you take a shot with your light blaster cannon directly at the fire spray, it is a direct hit, and you scratched it.
1: Castian speaking in his comm unit. Laris, how long do we have until the coordinates are ready?
0: Would you rather I perform evasive maneuvers or recalculate our hyperspace jump?
1: Recalculate the hyperspace jump. We're going to have to take a beating before we get there. Agreed, sir. And can Castian, what he's going to try to do is just kind of spray and fire just as much as he can to try to get the thing to use maneuvers to avoid it. But mm-hmm. honestly, this is like Castian shooting peas at like a tank.
0: Because spaceship combat is a bit of a bear, let's put this into narrative combat. So I would like you to make me the same role. It's gunnery hard.
1: I'm going to spend another destiny point. I got one threat.
0: Oh. So you are essentially laying out suppressing fire against the fire spray. And the fire spray dances and turns within space. It is a a ballet as it is avoiding each and every one of your shots. The handling on the fire spray is at zero, whereas the Howling Gundark is at negative two. So it is much easier for its pilot to maneuver. And of course, you have declared that the Howling Gundark is just going to sit where it is while Laris makes her calculations. So the good news is that your suppressing fire is good enough that the fire spray can't make a coordinated attack against you. However, it does get in again a couple more pot shots and the Howling Gundark takes a couple more points of strain as it's a good little ship and it is holding up but you don't want to test how long this could go on.
1: Castion fires off a few more then shouts over his shoulder. Anytime, Laris!
0: Making the jump to hyperspace.
1: And Castian holds his breath hoping that the damage to the ship Did not affect the hyperdrive.
0: And after a gut-churning moment, you make the jump to hyperspace.
1: Uh, Castian leans back and pulls off his communicator, tossing it down to the seat before standing up. And then he's climbing back up and heads towards the cockpit.
0: There's a bit of smoke in the air until the air reprocessing is able to catch up.
1: Skidda, get here. Reporting for duty, duty. sir. Make sure all the crates are fine and there's no damage to them. Bone, make sure that all the circuitry did not fry any terribly important systems. As long as we can escape hyperspace and land, we should be fine. We can fix whatever we find along the way. Just uh, get us a report. I want it in 10 minutes. Is that okay?
0: Bone beeps and Skitter says, Yes, sir.
1: And Castian's moving towards the cockpit and he's reporting the Laris. I've already given the assignments to Bone and Skidder. Hopefully he can't trace our alignment and follow us into hyperspace.
0: With the damages to the systems, I'm afraid I can only hope for that as well.
1: How many times do you have to stop in order to either get to Rishi or this other planet that you're dropping these off at?
0: The next drop-off point that we'll be reaching is Rishi. I'm going to have to make the last jump to my final destination on my own.
1: Just drop me off at Rishi and uh, I will contact you in a couple days.
0: Understood, sir.
1: Thank you. And Castian is going back and he's packing his bag, getting ready for just a couple days of just being on his own.
0: In about five minutes, because Bone is a very efficient droid, Bone rolls into your room, giving you the report, saying that the damages to the systems are primarily superficial.
1: Good, good. Bone, I'm going to be off the ship for a little while at Rishi, so I need you to make sure that Laris and Skinner don't get in too much trouble.
0: Bone objects.
1: Castian raises a brow. Oh, come on now. It's not like we've spent every life day together. Oh, it's it's a smuggler's planet. It's not like I haven't dealt with smugglers. I mean, I dealt with a lot of smugglers just recently, and I showed them who was boss. Okay, no, you're right. You're right. And I don't get stupid around Niana. I do not. But fine, fine. You will go with me. You can just keep an eye out and make sure those scary Jedi don't do anything too dangerous around me. Very well. Get out of here. Don't think I don't know what this is. You just don't want to be alone for life day. How long are we in hyperspace for? Is it a day or two?
0: A couple more days, yes. Uh,
1: at some point, uh, Cassidy is just going to mention to Laris that him and Bone are going to be uh, disembarking at Rishi, but um, if that just to make sure that's fine with her.
0: Of course. Bone is a valued member of the Howling Gundark, but he is not beholden to the ship.
1: It was his idea, so thank you, Laris.
0: It is a good idea.
1: I'll be careful.
0: But you always could use a second pair of eyes. Everybody's saying
1: that, but I've seemed to be doing all right so far. Okay, I need a second pair of eyes. Thank you, Laris. And... He's heading off to continue his reading. He's just reading something, whatever like, Laris has waiting for customers when they, they join the ship. She's bought in like hollow uh, novels that are from like the Clone War era. So he's reading something about a Gamorrean learning to speak and look past his snout and find his heart, something like that. Something just, just no. What it was almost so bad it was given to her as a as a prize for entering a shop.
0: And so the couple of days passed, the story of the Gamorrean is actually surprisingly touching at the end. I mean, it's purple prose all the way, but it's emotional and manipulation, but consider your emotions manipulated. Laris,
1: I say as I poke my head in at like a day before we get out of hyperspace, Laris, would you happen to have the second book of the Gamorrean's Gambit on hand?
0: No, but I do believe I have book four.
1: Oh, God, what's going to happen with Isabella? Yes, I'll take that. And Castian is taking book four and hopefully he can figure it out from the context clues. And Laris hears him at some point and says like, Oh, Isabella, of course she's a spy. And he's continuing reading the Gamorian Gambit.
0: And then before you know it, the howling Gundark drops out of hyperspace in the Rishi system. (laughs) Approaching the planet of Rishi, sir.
1: Fantastic. Bone, are you ready to go? Are you bringing extra batteries? Just be careful. Make sure you have your soldering weapon just in case. And Castian is just going to sit in the cockpit and watch as we land.
0: As you approach, you see the planet of Rishi grow large in the viewport. It is a lush tropical planet. Just vast oceans and lush green continents. You see that there are high mountain peaks as well as deep, dark green of deep valleys. I have the precise coordinates that were embedded in the message, if those would be helpful for you, sir.
1: Yes, just put them in the data pad and I will follow to wherever it leads me. Is it in the city that we're landing in?
0: Yes, sir, in the very colorfully named Blood Peak Cove.
1: Is that a mountain range?
0: No, in fact, the mountains are not really considered hospitable to any life other than the native avian species, the Rishi the blood peak is a gang that is local to the planet
1: it is so charming fantastic is that the city we're landing in
0: i believe settlement might be a more accurate name for it
1: then take us down there wherever we can land and i will follow the coordinates to is it in the city
0: just outside it is a cantina if the listings on this map continue to be accurate what's the cantina paradise plunder
1: i love this place already bring us down you can be on your way
0: As you descend into the planet's atmosphere, Laris is able to pilot this, essentially with her eyes closed. She never would because she is a very conscientious pilot, but it's a very simple routine maneuver. Sir? Yes? Do you have any indication of how long you may be here?
1: Just give me a week. If they only want to say hello and I'm stuck here on Rishi for a few days, this looks like a place I could probably find some illegitimate work to start paying off my debt.
0: Even so, sir, be careful.
1: Of course. Don't you worry, Laris. I'll make sure I die with my debt paid in full. He offers her a a smile before throwing his pack over his shoulder.
0: That is not what I am concerned about, sir. I
1: know, Laris, I know. You enjoy yourself on whatever planet you're going to, and, you know, Uh, make sure to stay and talk with some of the representatives at Doctors that Sectors. They are a good organization to really, uh, uh, to work for. Maybe you can get a good couple contacts in there.
0: Perhaps. I'm sorry that we have to part ways like this, sir.
1: We're not parting ways. We're just both have different missions. I'll be back. I mean, my goodness, Bone is a part of your crew. He needs to come back with you. So thank you for letting him have a vacation with me.
0: Of course, sir.
1: Happy Life Day. It's in a couple days, but uh, make sure you enjoy yourself.
0: I will try.
1: Good. And he turns around, almost running into Skitter. Happy life day, sir. Castian steps around Skitter and says, Bah humbug! And he's moving down the ramp with Bone.
0: The settlement of Blood Peak Cove is in the middle of a tropical paradise. There are tall trees blowing in a gentle breeze rising into a blue sky. Beyond the treetops, you can see the snowy mountain peaks of Rishi. Far below you, you can see rivers that look like mere babbling brooks deep in the valley, winding by undisturbed. The landscape is perfection. The people, less so.
1: So we're in a valley.
0: You're actually, you're about three quarters of the way down.
1: So Castian says, where did the cove come from? And then he's looking at like a sign it says, Welcome to Blood Peak Cove. And, it, and peak and cove are spelled differently. That's how they sound, but they're spelled completely different. And he says, oh, it's a name, Blood Peak Cove. Peak Cove is probably the man that founded this. That's clever. That's actually very clever.
0: You've been in hives of scum and villainy before, of course, but this place seems to revel in that reputation. There are brawls happening on every street corner, and these brawls are very precarious because you're on the cliff face of a mountain. One wrong hit and you watch somebody stumble over a ledge to fall into that river far below.
1: Castine just shakes his head and says it's anarchy. No wonder they want me here, he mumbles before, making sure like he has a hand on bone the entire time so he doesn't lose him. And uh, we are heading towards Paradise Plunder, is it?
0: Yes. Paradise Plunder sticks out above all of the other buildings in Blood Peak Cove, because it literally sticks out higher than them. It's elevated about 30 feet above any of the other rooftops in the area, and it is the back half of a space cruiser. You can't tell what make or model it is from here, but it's very obvious that it crashed into this peak at some point, point. And the locals decided, rather than take it apart or move, just to incorporate it into the local color.
1: Castion just shakes his head, probably questioning how this thing hasn't tumbled down and taken half the settlement with it. But seeing as there's plenty of plank ways leading to it, he just kind of shrugs and moves up to the Paradise Plunder and enters it.
0: Inside the Paradise Plunder, it is dark, it is smoky, it smells of unwashed people and burnt food. It is not a pleasant place to be in. Give me a perception roll, average. One success. As you navigate in between rickety, narrow tables, looking around for a familiar face or any sign of who or what you should be looking for here, just seconds before she sees you, you spot the familiar purple hair of Nienna. And next to her, a figure wearing a hood, his face shrouded in darkness.
1: And where are they sitting?
0: They are sitting in the back corner. The robed figure has his back to both corners and Nienna has her back to just one wall.
1: Castian keeps himself from smiling, but offers a nod as he spots that she has landed her eyes on him. And Castian's like moving around some tables, some people fighting, some people just looking to like find a drunken buddy to hang off of until he finally gets in front of her bone rolling up right next to him. Niana. Castian. Hi, I'm going to admit I never actually expected you to use the code to get my attention. You must be very desperate. He smiles, showing that he's good natured. And what Niana would probably notice from Castian is he's looking a lot healthier. His skin is not that like white, chalk white pale. He looks a little sickly. He'll always look a little sickly. He's a pale man, but he looks naturally pale. Mm. Desperate times call
0: for desperate measures.
1: Yakita, the, the charmer. And he takes the seat that's available and then tosses a glance around. Are we going to be fine talking here or do we need to go somewhere else?
0: Niana looks around. I promise you nobody here is paying any attention to what anybody else says, unless you insult their mother.
1: And he looks towards her and smirks. Why do I get the impression that you learned that from experience?
0: We're not here to reminisce.
1: Then what am I here for? Let's not forget that it's not exactly easy to get here or cheap. I am literally drowning in debt, and I came here because you called me, especially when I need to be doing other things. So can we act for a second that we're no longer enemies and acknowledge that I came when
0: you called? Nobody is saying that anyone here is an enemy. Everyone can just take a cleansing breath. And like the stuck-up know-it-all student that sits in the front row of the class, Nienna leads by example, and you recognize the the method of breathing that she's using as a Jedi-centering technique.
1: Cassian doesn't do the technique, he just leans back, showing that he's not a Jedi, but he's just waiting for Kida to do it.
0: Kida does so after a beat. Now let's try this again.
1: Hey, it's been- I don't know, a year since I've seen either of you. I'm still alive, and guess what? This is not me leading anybody into a trap. It's good to see you. Happy Life Day.
0: It's very good to see that you have recovered from what you have endured.
1: Not recovered. Recovering, as Keita's is probably thinking. But I'm here. What can I do? Is there some sort of trouble you're in?
0: Nienna looks to Keita for a moment, and he gives an almost imperceptible nod. Before she looks back to you to continue, trouble is perhaps too strong of a word. We are in an interesting situation and we, she pauses. I need the help of an interesting person in order to help people. I'm hoping that you are changed by what you have witnessed through the galaxy in the past year, that you're willing to. Help people in grave need.
1: i am actually uh, learned a lot in these last couple of years. I've been betrayed several times, been shot out. The woman that I fell in love with actually sold me up. Don't worry, we're working that out. And I'm currently so far in debt with the person who is my best friend that I think she's actually auctioning off slivers of my life to the highest bidder in whatever system she's at now. So I'm here to help. But I'm also here because I need your help. With what? What I'm about to show you, you have to acknowledge that it's mine to keep and not yours to have. What is it? Castine pulls out a data pad and flicks it towards him. And he catches it.
0: Obviously. How does he react
1: when he sees the pictures of a broken holocron?
0: Now that you're closer, all you can really make out of Kida's face are the piercing golden eyes. And they don't register... Really anything when they see the holocron. This could be anything.
1: It's a holocron. I found it in a ship that Dooku had.
0: That makes him raise an eyebrow.
1: I was hunting down a ship for an historian. It was a separatist ship. You know how they used to loot libraries and whatever they could when they landed and took over a planet? Well, I found the ship. I lost the ship, but on the ship before I lost it, there was a room filled with, um items of the Force nature. No, most of them were shattered. I found a bust of Dooku. I believe that this room was something of a treasure hoard of his. And there was a wall filled with text, and he shows them the picture of the wall. And this was stuck inside it, and I pulled it out. Uh, the wall's destroyed now, but this I was able to salvage.
0: Breaking it as you pulled it out, of course. It was broken,
1: and I pulled it out very gently. And it works because it activated very briefly when I was tinkering with it. And then it shorted out again and stopped working. I was going to Lothal. There was apparently a Jedi temple there. And uh, I was going to find a way to fix it, hopefully, there.
0: That would be a mistake.
1: Why? You don't think I could fix it?
0: There's a disturbance in the Force from that sector.
1: I know it's, the em- Empire is around that area, but I'm sure I'll be careful.
0: It's deeper than that. I believe they've discovered the temple. And in the darkness, you see his bright, white, sharp teeth as he pulls back his lips in a grimace. Damn it.
1: That was the only lead I had to fix the damn thing.
0: Why would you want to fix it just so you can get a better price for it?
1: No, I need somebody to teach me how to handle this curse. And apparently I'm not trustworthy enough unless you need something.
0: Castian, Niana finally steps in.
1: Of course, Nian. I apologize. Whatever you need, I'm here to help you because I'm a good person, but I'm also a desperate person and I need someone to help me to fix this. And since Lothal is no longer an option, that's my price. Whatever it is you need me to do. Is it dangerous? Perhaps. Then go into the details. You know my price. Help fixing this. What is this job?
0: Well, it's interesting you say that you found that on a Separatist ship because we are also seeking a... Location that last saw use during the Clone Wars. And what is that? It is the Tipoca City Military Complex, where the Republic cloned most of their army.
1: Camino, isn't that right?
0: Yes, yes it is. You you know it.
1: I was an Inquisitor. I knew of it. There was an operation there. They got shut down, I believe, because they tried to make a rogue army.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: I look towards Kida as he starts. I would have assumed they blew the damn place
0: up. Likely they did at least damage it. However, it is our one lead. I'm sure you understand that feeling.
1: What do you want to do with an old cloning facility?
0: Nienna looks around. She assured you that nobody was listening in. However, she leans in and lowers her voice, forcing you to lean in as well to just barely make out what she's saying. The Empire has started to use inhibitor chips on their Wookiee slaves the same type of inhibitor chips were used in clones in order to ensure their obedience during the Clone Wars.
1: They had inhibitor
0: chips? Yes.
1: Oh, that explains why they were so thorough with their orders.
0: Exactly. It is believed that it was a subliminal order that was encoded in one of these chips from the time that they were created. So our goal is to go to the original cloning facility and dig up... Any sort of files or schematics, any information we can. It's the only thing we can think of in order to try to short-circuit, rewire anything to save these poor Wookiees. Castian, you haven't seen what happens to them when they activate these inhibitor chips. They're no longer used to ensure compliance, but merely to deal pain.
1: She sees Castian's face when she says, you've not seen how these Wookiees are when they activate these inhibitor chips And he kind of looks away quickly, but they both know. Castian has seen it probably in the past and not even cared. Yes, no, it's very thorough. I am aware that there are slave ships that ensure their loyalty through a um, painful shock, what have you. Uh, Wookiees have always been a stubborn people. So, yes, the entire family unit was usually had them placed inside them. So instead of... Them getting the shock for disobeying it would be their children or their wives or their other loved ones. Yes, uh, I'm aware of the situation.
0: Nienna can't go alone.
1: Why don't you go with her? Wouldn't that be fun? You both have been working together for, I don't know, 15 years?
0: Nienna's Nienna's pink skin turns a little more rosy. It's a trial that a Jedi must undergo without the help of other Jedi.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're serious? But this is, is this like, this is not a, are you sending her on a, on a trial? That's dangerous. I mean.
0: That is why it is called a trial.
1: Niana, don't do a dangerous mission in, 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 in the name of whatever he's teaching you. This is what's wrong with the order in the very beginning. That's why younglings died because people, this is foolish. If you're doing a mission, you should have Kida by your side.
0: I'm doing it because it is the only way to help these slaves.
1: If it was so important, why isn't Kita going with you? Why put this on the, the the shoulders of an initiate?
0: This is something that she has volunteered for. If she had her way, she would be doing it completely alone. Oh,
1: and your idea was to invite me, really, Kita. I'm, I'm your idea.
0: Castian, please. You're my only hope.
1: Oh, no one's going to fall for that line. So the job is... I go with you, we look up some old blueprints on these inhibitor chips, and then we leave.
0: Yes, as you said, the complex should be bombed out and abandoned.
1: If it's bombed out and abandoned, the Empire usually leaves sensors. You're going to have to disable those in order for them not to be alerted that someone's exploring places they shouldn't be explored. I should be able to handle that, I believe, if they're old sensors. Fine, fine. Since there's no others that can help you, I will help you. My price is you help me fix this holocron. Because as much as you say that I am not a Jedi, I do have the same curse that we all do have. And I have to deal with it alone. This little trinket is the closest thing I have as a teacher.
0: Your price is fair.
1: Good. The only other problem I would say is if you're counting on me to know where this planet is, I do not. I, it's a pretty closely guarded secret.
0: I know where it is.
1: How would you know? Of course, you were a Jedi during the Clone Wars. You've been there, haven't you? Yes. Do you happen to have a ship that we can borrow?
0: Yes, we do. Good. Kito will remain here on Rishi. It is the nearest point, as we must go through the Rishi maze before we're able to get to Kamino.
1: Good. And while you're here, Akita, you can do some uh, side jobs. Help out where you can, because I need to pay this amount of money. And he gives a, a quick scribble of the fuel consumption that he used to get here. I need to pay that bunch of money or I'm stuck on Rishi permanently. Or I can stay with you folks. I can bunk with you, Kita.
0: I'll get to work.
1: Thank you. And he stands up and then he looks towards Niana. Guess I'm following you, Nini.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com Fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.
1: A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Flight Risk Podcast is a Star Wars action play crime dramedy set during the Old Republic era, where an eccentric group of mercenaries are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic camp, they traverse the Outer Rim, and attempt to not only survive, but to find their destinies without losing what's left of their souls. Subscribe at flightrisk.simplecast.fm